Great. Good morning, Freedom. So just as we're getting started today, I've just got a quick question for the parents in the room uh, this morning. So like, your kids listen to you 100% of the time, right? Yeah? Okay. So I figured. I thought so. Uh, like, they look at you as like the ultimate holders of wisdom and knowledge, correct? Yeah? I thought so. I thought so. Now, <laughs> those of you with parents, you... Like, I'm guessing you probably, like, readily admit, you know, when you eventually realize that your mom or dad was right all along, you know? Like, of course, like, naturally, we all love to do that. We're like, you know what? Mom, you were just right all of childhood. Like, I just appreciate you so much. You know, like, I was wrong. I was young. I was immature. I had no idea what I was doing. You are just so right. Thank you. <laughs> You know, obviously, you know, I'm joking about that, you know, as kids especially, you know, we tend to think that we have it all figured out. You know, we act like we know what we're doing. Our parents don't really need to tell us anything, you know, because like, really, what do they know? Like, come on. You know, I remember as a kid that I would always be out on my bike riding up and down my street, you know, pedaling as hard as I can to go as fast as possible. You know, I loved it. And of course, like as a young boy, I was a bit reckless you know, and hadn't quite discovered that healthy sense of, like, fear that tends to factor into the potential dangers and consequences quite yet. And so my mom, you know, she would always be yelling at me to make sure that, like, look both ways before, you know, crossing the street with your bike, all right? Like, you got to make sure, like, stop. Like, no, 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 I see you. You're not looking. Like, look both ways. I'd be like, mom, like, I'm fine. Like, it's good. I know what I'm doing. Like, I've been at this for, like, six months. Come on. <laughs> Honestly. So naturally, you know, I decided to ignore that advice a bunch of times, and it came with some near misses until one time my mom saw me, you know, from the front porch of our house as I went flying down our driveway. And without looking, you know, I ride across the street, and this car, of course, is coming, and it almost hits me. And, you know, my mom is over there, and of course, she's mad at this point. She's like, that stupid child, he's a fool. And so she's like, my mom, like, she yells at me to get back over to the house, you know, where my bike was then, of course, taken from me for a while. And I get sent to my room for not listening to her, you know. And of course, as like, you know, probably like a six or seven year old at the time, I go up to my room and I'm just angry. I'm like, like, I'm like punching the air. Like, I just, I can't believe the injustice that just happened. Like, this isn't fair. Like, oh, it's so dumb. Like, what does my mom know? Like, I didn't even get hit. Like, seriously. <laughs> Like, what is she worried about? This is ridiculous. But like, we know that as we grow and we learn and mature, we begin to realize that our parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or, you know, maybe even like a teacher or pastor, you know, whoever really played that kind of like authority figure in your life, you know, they actually had our best interest at heart. You know, we realize over time that they actually hold wisdom and knowledge that we don't yet know about and could actually benefit from from time to time. But whether we're young or older, so often we neglect to accept the wisdom that comes from Scripture or from mentors that God is using in our lives. And like a young child, we aim to do it our own way. And this morning, we're going to be continuing in our Kings and Kingdom series, taking a look at King Rehoboam in 1 Kings 12. So you can open your Bibles or the YouVersion app and turn there as we dive into the Word today. Or you can look at the verse on the screen, which Lenore made me make the text bigger, so you can thank her for that after the service, if you can't see very well. <laughs> but it says this, uh, starting in verse 1, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. 
When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to serve these people or to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through, a, through Ahiah, the Shilonite. When all Israel saw the king refuse to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel. Look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor, but all Israel stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. So Israel had been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. When all the Israelites heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. Only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to the house of David. When Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mustered all Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 able young men to go to war against Israel and to regain the kingdom for Rehoboam, son of Solomon. But this word of God came to Shammai, the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all Judah and Benjamin and to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says. Do not go up to fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Go home, every one of you, for this is my doing. So they obeyed the word of the Lord and went home again as the Lord had ordered. So to understand the story of King Rehoboam, we need to understand what happened with his father Solomon before him. King Solomon had turned away from God during his life, and God actually tells him that he's going to tear the kingdom away from him. He tells him that for the sake of David, he won't actually do it during Solomon's lifetime, but during that of his son, which is Rehoboam. And so Solomon dies, and Rehoboam becomes king in 931 BC at the city of great historical significance called Shechem, which was located in the hill country of Ephraim. Shechem was a place of covenant renewal. It was the place where the divine covenant of devotion to God alone, which all the tribes reaffirmed through Joshua, happened. 
And it was also where kingship first briefly intruded itself into the tribal life of Israel in Judges chapter 9. It was the perfect spot for a prospective king to be invited and confronted with how he is going to exercise his kingship. So we arrive at this meeting and all the representatives of the tribes of Israel over whom David had been elected king were present. To add to that, there was already tension between these northern tribes and Judah. At the forefront of this group is this man known as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zereda, who was servant of Solomon. He was the one that, after Solomon was told the kingdom would be taken from him, was told by the prophet Isaiah that he would be king over Israel. And because of this, Solomon tries to kill him, and he flees to Egypt. And upon Solomon's death, he returns from Egypt, and the people of Israel send for him. And together, they collectively go to Rehoboam and put in this request. Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. We know that during Solomon's reign, he implemented heavy taxation and conscription of labor and military forces. Especially in the latter years of his rule, he was extremely harsh. The Israelites had gone from living in freedom in the promised land to once again living as people under hard service just as they were in Egypt. And Rehoboam, he goes on to take advice from both the elders and the younger advisors who had grown up with him. And there actually seems to be a bit of a division within the royal household and the bureaucracy between the new and the old men. You know, those who had been elevated to the status of advisor to the king recently and those with long service. Now, the elders, they would represent those who had been in office during the time of Solomon. They may have come from either the royal family, they could have been half-brothers or cousins, you know, to Solomon, or from the civil service. And the newcomers would most likely be made up of Rehoboam's own cousins and half-brothers that were his contemporaries. Now, the elders, you know, they suggest that they should actually grant his request, you know, to be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer. They will always be your servants. You know, they tell him that he will gain loyalty and favor with them if he does so. You know, it's going to ease a bit of that tension that was there. But... As we know, Rehoboam goes to his younger advisors who in their zeal and naiveness essentially tell him to just double down and bring even harsher treatment to his people in a show of power and his authority over them. And the 10 tribes in the north are already at the end of their rope and rebellion takes place and the 10 northern tribes are now under the rule of Jeroboam and leave Rehoboam to rule over only the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. We see that Jeroboam is called by God to rule over the Israelites, but even he wasn't the savior in this scenario. He was simply the fulfillment of the prophecy given to him by the prophet Ahiah. We see later that Jeroboam himself turns away from God, and in his pride and arrogance, he attempts to retain power by causing his subjects to worship these golden calves. Jeroboam begins his journey mirroring Moses. You know, somebody who was chosen by God and bringing the Israelites out from under a harsh regime, but ending like Aaron, making golden calves and even repeating his words. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Two kings, but the same outcome. Pride, arrogance, and the rejection of wise counsel in God himself. Simply put, pride destroys. And pride is something that each and every one of us have to deal with on some level in our own lives. You know, pride that leads us to be a version of ourselves that others may view as even like arrogant and brash. You know, pride that leads us to believe that we know better than all of those around us, regardless of what room we may find ourselves in. Pride that leads us to believe that our choices, our decisions, our way 
is better than that of God. Pride destroyed the reign of Solomon. Pride destroyed the reign of Rehoboam. Pride destroyed the reign of Jeroboam. Pride can destroy when left unchecked. So when we look to the story of Rehoboam, we see that he had a decision to make that came with two options. He could have chosen the path of wisdom, listening to the elders who had served during the reign of King Solomon and seen the effects of his harsh rule in the fractured kingdom. They were there. They saw it. They saw what went on behind the scenes, and they saw how it affected the people. And yet, he chose the second option, listening to those that he grew up with, young, naive, and well, without the full understanding of the effects that their decision could actually have. They spoke to what Rehoboam wanted to hear, and he ignored the warnings and went with it anyways. Wise counsel is hard to find, yet it is worth searching for in our lives. Many of us have heard the saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. This entire story illustrates that so well. Like when we're surrounded by people who simply tell us what they think we want to hear, well, we're never going to grow. Our decisions are hampered and our vision is clouded. But when we surround ourselves with those that are willing to call us out when we need it, that want to see us succeed, that want to see us become closer to God and live out his call for our lives, then we have an opportunity for real growth, wiser decisions, and clearer vision. Our ability to obtain wisdom is limited by our willingness to ask for advice. We neglect to humble ourselves in search of help and seek wise counsel. Over the past couple of months, I ended up joining a soccer league on Thursday nights. And so we go out, it's fun, you know, we have a good time. Uh, but during one of our games, you know, a few weeks back, um, we have this one player on our team and, you know, he plays a little more than the rest of us. He knows a little bit more about the technical aspects of soccer and positioning and like all of that stuff. And so usually he's telling us like, hey, like go and cover this person or make sure that you go like to this part of the field or, you know, whatever else. He's just like, he's saying that to everybody, right? And so he goes and he tells it to this one other guy on the team. And instead of just saying like, yeah, sure, whatever, this guy's like, why don't you do it? Okay, it's like, no, I'm not going there. It's like, no, you, you cover it. No, you go to the part of the field. I'm going to stay back here. I'm not going to do that. And he just started to get so upset, and he was starting to get angry, and then they started going back and forth, and it just escalated, and then to the point where, you know, he's swearing at the other guy, and they're just cussing each other out. And so our team captain, you know, he runs on the field, and he pulls the younger guy off, and, you know, and then the older guy, well, He's threatening him now, and he's trying to fight him, and so I run on the field, and, you know, I'm, like, pulling him off, and I'm like, hey, like, it's all good. It's all good. Let's just take a breath. It's okay. It's just rec league soccer. It's not that serious. <laughs> we are all going to be okay, all right? So it's like, all right, let's just, let's breathe. And the entire time, like, you know, if you think about the situation, this guy who kind of knows a bit about soccer, he is doing that to everybody. Like, he's not trying to be a jerk. Like, he's not, you know, that type of person. But he's literally just like, hey, like, we're going to do better as a team if we actually play our positions right. Right? And so he's directing us. He's telling us where to go. He has, like, our team's best interests in mind. But this other guy, he didn't really see it that way. He's just like, man, this guy is being bossy and he's being, well, a whole bunch of other words that I'm not going to say up here. You know, but, you know, he wasn't a fan of that. And so it didn't really turn out well that night, you know, for him. And, you know, he got pulled off the field and all that stuff. Um, but the thing is, is that sometimes we are just like, we are so caught up with what we want to do or what we think we know that we literally just completely ignore what God is actually wanting to do in our lives. We ignore what he's telling us in scripture because we think, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm all right. You know what? You do you. 
Somebody else can cover that. You got it. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's fine. Right? You know, young or old, we need the guidance of wise people in our lives to have healthy, spiritual, personal, and holistic lives. You know, we actually have to be listening to the people who know what they're talking about. Because sometimes, and a lot of the times, we don't. Typically, you know, when we think of mentorship, you know, we think of younger people. And, you know, as a youth and young adults pastor, I know just how important it is to have wise voices pouring into the next generation. You know, recently I came to just kind of accept the fact that I am actually a part of the same generation as our students, uh, Gen Z. And that'll be changing soon with Gen Alpha coming up. Um, But something that often happens with some of my generation and even millennials as well is that we reject help. You know, we reject what could be wise counsel on the belief that the older generations have outdated perspectives and beliefs. You know, but we need to realize that, you know, there may be a reason for certain held opinions or beliefs or whatever, but also recognize like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we all grew up in different times. Every single one of us came from different experiences, but also there is so much to be learned from the other generations. And so when it comes to like youth and young adults, you know, I was thinking about this and I was like, okay, like we are, you know, we want to disciple, you know, all of the students. We want to make sure that they're growing in their love for God and all of that stuff. And so we want to make sure that we're doing like everything that we possibly can. And so just like the more that I think about this, I'm like, okay, like we just need like as many people pouring into them as possible. And so a little sneak peek into the fall, I was like, okay, What about mentorship nights, you know, like something like that, right, where we just have people that are coming in that, you know, are further down the line, they are more experienced, they have a solid spiritual life, like they have just been so faithful over decades, and wouldn't that be great if they could just pour into our students, right? And so, you know, sometimes we need to, like, seek out that wise counsel, and for those of you that have that wisdom, you know, you have that gifting, you have that, you know, God doesn't just provide for us financially. He provides for us in a whole bunch of other ways too. Like he gives us giftings. He's provided all this knowledge. He's provided all this wisdom. And we need to steward that well too. So you might not just be gifted with all this wisdom. You know, that's also a responsibility for you to pour into other people around you and disciple those around you that are a little further behind you on the path, right? And so I think like we can work together in this. And, you know, it's the same thing the other way as well. You know, we're able to, you know, teach each other stuff as well. And, you know, even like, you know, we look at married couples in here. We got a lot of married couples in the room today. And, you know, like we have people that have been married for five years. We have people that have been married for 10 years. Wouldn't it be great if you guys sat down with people that have been married for like 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 plus years, and just talked? Talked about, you know, life, marriage, you know, the struggles that they went through, you know, how they overcame that, you know, how God worked through that marriage. Wouldn't that be so beneficial for all of you? Like, that would just be an incredible just moment of just seeking wise counsel in whatever situation you find yourself in. Because we're all in different seasons of life. You know, some of us are in relationships, some of us are not. You know, for maybe the single people, it's literally just having somebody to disciple them and help them to realize also, hey, like, marriage isn't actually the ultimate Christian goal. Christ-likeness is, right? Like, and just walking with life through them at the stage that they're in. And then for the people that are in relationships, walking through what healthy boundaries look like and walking through what it actually looks like to have a Christ-centered relationship. And so when we go through these things, like as younger people or the people that are being like mentored or, you know, actually you can be mentored at 60 years old. Like it doesn't stop, right? But as somebody who like needs to seek wise advice, just be open to that. Right? Like, we can't reject that when it comes and just be like, you know what, I'm fine, I got it figured out, please don't talk to me. 
You know, like, there is something to be said for, like, certain people do hold a voice in our lives, and I get that. You know, we have to build relationships and trust and all of that. But, like, be open to actually accepting wise counsel because we need it and we would be way better for it, right? And our churches would be better for it. And I think that the gospel would spread way faster across the globe if we actually were discipling one another and we were accepting mentorship and we were mentoring others and we were actually seeking that out. And honestly, sometimes it's not even that like Gen Z's, millennials don't even want mentorship. Sometimes they're just like, I'm too nervous to ask. Like, right? Like just strike up a conversation with one another and go from there. Like it doesn't have to be anything that's like drilled down into the set schedule or anything like that. Just start with a conversation. We need to actually seek wise counsel. Now, here's the thing. When we look at the story of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, they were kind of like up and down in their reigns. They had points where they were following after God. And things were going really well. They, you know, they were called by God. They were actually like worshiping him and getting their people, you know, to praise God as well. And then all of a sudden they would turn away from him. And all of a sudden, oh, okay, now we're worshiping idols. That's not good. And then all of a sudden, oh, look at that. Things aren't going so well anymore, right? And so when we look at the story of these guys, it's like very clear to see like, you know, where your life is going to go when we're actually drawing near to God. Like in the midst of everything that is going on, in the midst of the tension, in the midst of like all the politics, you know, of that period, things were good when you were close to God. And it is the same thing today. Like things aren't necessarily easy, but things are a lot better when you have God with you because he actually gives you the strength to get through situations. He actually gives you the wisdom and the guidance to get through these situations, right? So not always easy, but it is a lot better when you have Jesus on your side. And so we need to be seeking out God in our daily lives. We need to be seeking him out through scripture, through the word of God, so that we actually know what we need to do. That's part of seeking wise counsel. Like literally the word of God, like that is so much wisdom right there. You have an entire book that you can read through, you know, till you're blue in the face and then you read it again. And you're going to get so much more out of it the second time and the third and the fourth and the fifth and so on and so forth. Like, there's just so many different ways that we're able to seek wise counsel, and we need to be looking for it at every opportunity. And it's incredible, you know, when, I, when we look at, you know, Rehoboam here. You know, he saw an opportunity here because he's coming into power, right? Like, he is the son of Solomon. Like, you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself if you're the son of Solomon. Like, that man had power, he had wisdom, he had riches, he had a thousand wives. I don't know if that's a good situation or not, but like, <laughs> not today. But, uh, <laughs> but, but he had everything. And so you're like this son of like the most like well-known man in the world at the time. And so you're feeling great about yourself and now you're about to be crowned king. And then you're about to get all of this power and you're about to inherit everything, right? And what does he do? He's like, you know what? No, I'm not gonna you know, draw back a little bit. I'm not going to gain favor, you know, with the people. What does he do? He actually tries to assert his authority. He tries to assert his power. But then we look forward and we look to the story of Jesus. What does Jesus do? He comes as a servant. You see, authority and power exercised in service elicits loyalty. And Jesus, as the Messiah, the servant, supremely illustrates this. You know, he came to serve. He was obedient to the will of the Father, and he led with humility. 
So when we find ourselves in situations like that, when, you know, maybe we're thrust into a position of power or authority, or, you know, maybe you're at work and, you know, in your position of management, or maybe you're just like the leader of your friend group, like whatever that is, we need to be careful about how we steward that. Because we have to lead with humility. We have to lead with service. And in that leadership too, who are those people that are actually going to tell me when I'm doing the wrong thing? Like, who is that wise counsel when we do have that choice between, yeah, maybe those friends in our lives that are really fun to hang around, but they're just yes men or yes women, right? And they're just telling you everything that you want to hear. They're just building you up, and you feel really great, but you are going nowhere. You're not growing because they'll never call you out when you're actually doing something you shouldn't be. And so who are those wise people in your life that, you know, maybe it's a mix of friends that are really close to you. You know, that they know so much about you and they know when you're doing the thing that you shouldn't be doing and they're just going to call that out in love. And then you have that wise, you know, older person in your life that like they have just been through so much and they have so much life experience and just every time they speak, it's just like, that was profound. Like, wow. Like, you know those types of people? Like every time you talk to them, like you just feel so good and like maybe a little convicted also, right? Like they are just amazing. Like find those people. Doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a follower, whether you're in leadership, whatever that is, like we are needing to seek out that wise counsel. And, you know, Rehoboam, he is just the perfect example of what not to do. You know, he had the opportunity. He could have had everything, and yet he chose to, you know, um, accept what was being told to him by people that didn't have his best interests at heart. They had their own interests at heart. He could have listened to people that were actually wiser that actually knew what was going on, that actually knew the outcome of the situation at that time, and yet he didn't. And so today, it's like, what are, what are we choosing to do? Like, do we have those people? When we look at our circle of influence, when we look at our circle of accountability in our lives, like, who are those people? What does it look like? Like, when you look at your friend group, do you see a good future? Or is it looking a little rough right now? <laughs> You might have to start finding, you know, some other people to hang around. You know, what does that look like for you? I'm just going to call the worship team back up. And so just today, like, as we're, you know, as we're just mulling this over, as we're, you know, kind of wrestling with the story of Rehoboam and how he exercises leadership, of how he, you know, ignored wise counsel and all of that, like, what have we been doing in our lives over the past little while? Like, when we are going through a situation, are we doing it in pride? Like, are we doing it where we're just, like, thinking that we have it all? Like, we know what we're doing. Like, when we're in a relationship, like, we're saying, like, you know what? They don't know what they're talking about. Like, I'm right. They're wrong. Like, that's it. Whatever. Like, whether it's friendships, romantic relationships, like, whatever. Like, are we always the one that's saying, like, I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe they would do that. Right? Like, I would never do that. Like, I'm so much better than that. Or are we actually walking in humility and being like, okay, you know what? What do I need to do? Like, how do I need to change? What do I need to seek out? Who do I need to talk to about this certain thing, this certain situation that I'm going through? Who actually knows more about, you know, these types of situations than I do? And so we have to be smart. We have to be wise. We have to seek out the voice of God. And to seek out the voice of God, that actually requires us to spend time in the presence of God. So when we leave church, What does that look like the rest of the week? Are we actually spending time in the word? Are we actually devoting time to him in prayer? Are we actually, you know, spending time every now and then fasting? 
you know, spending time in silence and solitude, like actually practicing our spiritual disciplines outside of, you know, Sunday mornings. What does that look like? How do we learn to hear his voice while we spend time with him? We have to seek his wisdom and we have to accept wisdom from people that he's placed in our lives. We have to be open to that. We have to walk with humility and we have to serve with humility. So I just pray today that, uh, I pray one that we would have good circles of people around us, a good community around us, because it is hard to find. It's not always easy. You know, sometimes we're like, I have no idea where to find that. Well, I hope you can find it here. I hope that there's a lot of people in this room today that, you know, actually want to mentor others, actually want to disciple others, actually just want to like share their life with them, share the good things and the stuff that sucks that you're walking through and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I can relate to that. I hope that we have a bunch of people here that are actually willing to do that and to get really real with each other and actually get vulnerable with one another. Because out of that, man, we're gonna grow. We're gonna grow personally, we're gonna grow spiritually, we're gonna grow holistically in our lives. And I'm thankful for mentors in my life. You know, I can't, you know, you know I can't really thank them enough because I would not be here today without them. You know, they have prevented me from doing a lot of dumb things in my life. <laughs> they have, you know, opened doors for me, you know, where they needed to be opened and they have shut doors where they needed to be shut. And I'm so, so thankful for them. And it's gotta be intentional both ways too. So seek them out, ask them questions. And hey, if you're in a position to mentor, seek out those people that actually are desiring that too. Be open to that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this church family here. Father, I pray that we would walk in wisdom, that we would walk in humility, Father, that you would provide a, just a whole community of people that are just desiring the best for one another, that are desiring one another to be so much more like Christ each and every day. Father, that we as, you know, people that, need a little help sometimes, that Father, that we would just be willing to admit that. We would be willing to ask for help, that we would be willing, you know, to go to one another and just be open with what is going on in our lives. Even the stuff we don't really want to share. Even the stuff where shame and guilt, you know, is just holding us back from actually getting past this. So Father, may we share burdens today. And Father, may you just raise up mentors in this church. Father, I know that there's so many people in this church that already have the capacity to do that. You know, you have gifted them in such a way that they have such an incredible like pastoral heart for other people and they're just able to pour into them and they're able to correct them with love and they're able to lift them up when they're down. And Father, I pray that you would raise up those leaders today. Father, for those that you know, are a little nervous about asking for help, Father, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to go and ask somebody, to go and talk to somebody, even if they don't know them, but they recognize that they are somebody who, you know, has a little bit more wisdom than them. Father, I pray that you give them the boldness. Father, that you would create divine connections. Father, that there would just be so many people in this room that would be able to actually really build up your kingdom, that would be able to, you know, make a little bit of heaven come down on earth here, that we'd be able to show love to one another, show what real 
yeah, what church community is supposed to be. So Father, we thank you. Protect us from those that don't want the best from us. And Father, lead us to those that are going to help us grow and to help us become more like you. So Father, we praise your name today. We thank you. And Father, just be with us throughout this next week. We love you, Lord. Amen.